Founders are often confused about corporate governance. They don't know what things that they can do with CEO, what the role of the board is, what shareholders need to approve, or even how to run all those processes in the first place. So today, I'm going to clarify exactly how each one of those things works, what their authorities are, and how you can run your business the right way. Welcome to Fill the Boot, the science of startups. I'm your host, Lance Cottrell, and I'm here to help you navigate that vertical learning curve that you're going to encounter as you start your business. I know what it's like, I've been there myself, and I have helped countless other founders along their paths. All the information that I'm going to be providing today is based on U.S. law. It's very similar in many other countries. The EU, as I understand it, is pretty similar in terms of these rules, but certainly not identical. And of course, I am not a lawyer, so this is not legal advice. This is just based on my experience running companies and working at the board level with other companies that I've invested in or am advising. So at the end of the day, make sure you always are checking with a real lawyer for your specific situation. Minutes or it didn't happen. The minutes of your shareholder meetings and board of director meetings is where you capture all the decisions that you made in those official capacities. And from a legal perspective, if it isn't in the minutes, it didn't happen. Your company never made that decision if it didn't get captured there. And when you're going through due diligence, that's what investors are going to look at. They're going to want to see that you authorized all the shares that you've authorized and all of your options grants have been properly approved and so forth. Really, all the minutes are is a collection of all of the decisions that the company has made in each one of these entities. It can be electronic, it can be physical. I generally recommend you try to make it immutable so that someone can't go in and just edit a Word file and add something in. So printing them out and putting things in a binder is good practice. But it doesn't require a huge amount of fancy legal overhead. As long as you clearly describe what decision you're making is and that it was voted for and approved by the people who were there and the number of people who were involved in the meeting, uh, and certainly at the board level who they were, that's all you need to have. It's pretty straightforward. Meetings. When you're holding a meeting, whether it's of the board of directors or shareholders, the first criteria is that you need to have a quorum. So you need to have a majority of the votes present to make decisions. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean a majority of the voters, although in the board of directors, normally it's one person, one vote. But with shareholders, it's one share, one vote. So you don't typically need anywhere near a majority of the shareholders. You just need a majority of the shares represented. And the way this is usually described is a majority of the voting power. But it is perfectly legal to have a meeting with just you. If you're the only board member, then you're always doing that. If you're the only shareholder, you're always doing that. And while you have a vast majority of shares early on, it may be that none of the other shareholders will even bother showing up because they know there's no point. You can vote on whatever you want. So in the beginning, you may in fact be holding many one-person meetings. That's fine, but you still need to be taking those minutes and making sure you've got the notes. You don't need to worry too much about the formality of your meetings. You don't need to involve Robert's rules of order and have things very carefully structured out in that way. Mr. Speaker, for the purpose of debate only, I yield the customary 30 minutes to the distinguished gentleman from Massachusetts, my good friend, Mr. McGovern, pending which I yield myself such time as I may consume. All you need to do is have the people in the room 
clearly state what's being voted on, capture those votes, and record it in the minutes. The only time that the rules of order really come in is when things get contentious. And you need to make sure that no one can claim they were not heard, no one can say they didn't have an opportunity to have input, and moving through those formal processes can help with that. But ideally, that should be a very rare situation. I never, in my 13 years of running my startup, had to resort to Robert's Rules of Order to manage a meeting. Written consent. Your articles and bylaws may allow the board or, and or the shareholders to take actions by written consent. This can be really useful. If you don't have those terms, I encourage you to amend your bylaws and articles of incorporation to allow for action by written consent. You can just send out the resolution that you want the board to take. And if a majority of the voters sign off on that, it is as though you had held the meeting. It's way faster to send out an email to everyone. They print it out, sign it, send it back. You just stick those all in the book. And then at the next meeting that you hold, you mention that these uh, things were done, those forms are already in the book, but now you have in the minutes that you also did it and that gets captured as well. Board of Directors versus Shareholder Decisions. So what are the respective authorities of the shareholders, the Board of Directors, and the CEO? Well, between the shareholders and Board of Directors, there's some things that they both need to weigh in on and some that are specific to each. So let's look at all three cases, the ones that both need to vote on, the ones that shareholders need to vote on, and the ones that the board needs to vote on. Most of the major decisions that a company needs to make must be approved by both the board of directors and the shareholders. These are things that fundamentally alter the nature of the company or change the balance of powers. So things like amending the bylaws and articles of incorporation, which rewrite the rules of the way the business works. Mergers and acquisition. Either you're acquiring some other company that will substantially change the nature of the business, or you yourself are being acquired. Changes to shareholder rights. If you have existing series of stock and you want to retroactively change how they, those behave. Creation of the incentive stock option plan. When you set that up and when you create new versions of that or alter it, everyone gets to weigh in. Also, the benefits to the C-suite executive. So the CEO and other senior team members, their compensation has to be approved by both entities. Authorizing new series of shares. Uh, you know, so once you've raised your B round, for example, and you're going to a C round, that's a new series of stock. Finally, if your company is being dissolved, that needs to be voted on by everyone. The shareholders. The shareholders fundamentally own the company. That's what stock is. It represents a slice of ownership of the business. Their main responsibility is to elect the board of directors. So at each shareholder meeting, there will be a slate of board members that the shareholders will then vote on. They may also be able to nominate their own board members at that time. In some cases, the shareholders will vote as a mass group. So you're all voting on the same issue. In some cases, particularly with uh, issuing a new series of stock or altering rights, the series of stock will vote independently. So all of the series A holders vote as a group, the series B holders as a group, the common stock as a group. And in some cases, every single one of those will need to approve it. In some cases, only the members of a single series will need to approve changes to that series rights. 
finally, you do need to have these meetings. In most jurisdictions, you have to have a shareholder meeting at least annually. And so just make a practice of that. Set a date when your annual shareholder meeting is, even if it's just you, get a room, call it to order, elect yourself as the board member and adjourn, stick that in the book and you're good to go. The board of directors. The board of directors holds the corporate power in the business. Fundamentally, they are responsible for running the business. In general, that means they are responsible for the business strategy. They're setting the overall direction of the company and they hire the CEO and then delegate most of their day-to-day -day authority to that person. So they're actually running the business and making all of those internal decisions. But typically the board reserves to itself decisions about strategic direction, opening up whole new product lines or pivoting the business to some new direction. They'll have the authority to weigh in on that. And as they hire the CEO, they can fire the CEO. So as founder, once you have a large enough board, if you no longer have majority control, if you're not doing a good job, they can potentially kick you out. The board of directors has to approve a number of things, often by statute or from the bylaws. These are things like setting up new bank accounts, conducting audits of the company, major purchases and leases, uh, litigation issues, and issuing dividends. Again, you're probably not gonna be issuing any dividends as an early stage startup, but as the company matures, that might finally come up. The board of directors has a fiduciary duty to the shareholders. So their foremost responsibility is to represent those shareholders. They've been elected by them and that's who they are trying to represent within the company because trying to run a company with a thousand individuals uh, all weighing in would be insane. But as a board member, you do need to be thinking about your shareholders. And so or even early on in the company, if you just have a couple of angels who've invested, but maybe none of them have board seats yet, when you are wearing your board of directors hat, you need to be thinking in terms of actions that are beneficial to them. And you might be liable for damages if you're making decisions that are specifically beneficial to you, but harm the other shareholders. And like the shareholders, you need to be holding at least one board of directors meeting per year. I recommend meeting at least quarterly. The CEO. As CEO, your scope of decision-making is basically everything that is not reserved to the shareholders or the board of directors. So normally that's all of the day-to-day -day activities that's hiring, firing most of the employees in the company, other than perhaps the C-suite people who were directly appointed by the board of directors, making ordinary purchases, making sales, you know, conducting advertising activities, uh, choosing the features, directing the development of your products. All of that is the purview of the CEO with the oversight of the board and always understanding that if at some point the board feels like you're going in the wrong direction, they may pull on the reins a little bit and correct your course. Thanks for watching this episode. I hope you now understand a little better how corporate governance works, particularly in early stage companies. And if you did, please do the usual like, subscribe and ring that bell. Also encourage you to come to Feel the Boot and subscribe to Bootprints, our newsletter. Uh, that'll give you guaranteed updates because YouTube doesn't always tell you when new things are coming out, as well as gives you access to my office hours. So it, when you subscribe, I include a link that will let you get on my calendar for free half hour consultations uh, to get ask any kind of question. I can review pitch decks, talk strategy, talk 
hiring, look at investment terms that are being offered by uh, angels or VC, whatever help you need, I'm happy to provide it. Until next time, ciao. Thank you.